welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. you miss sharing mercy that's an exciting song is it not and you did an incredible job singing it thank you so much sister i hope it is well with your soul today if not i want you to know it can be and and i hope that uh, when you leave here today you can say beyond a shadow of a doubt it is well with your soul uh, thank you so much, Miss Sharon. Thank you, Brother Jake, for leading us and, and choir and for ladies for playing as always. Thank you so much. Um, today, church, we are going to be in the book of John. Once again, we are going through the gospel of John and uh, we are in uh, what we shared last week, the prologue of John, these first 18 verses, sort of a summary of what we can expect as we go through this book as John the apostle uh, is writing uh, this gospel, and uh, today uh, we are going to learn about a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, remember, is different than John the apostle. So we're going to be looking, Lord willing, today at verses 1 through 8 of John chapter 1. So I'd ask you, if you are willing and able, to please stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's Holy Word. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he but, but was sent to bear witness of the light. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you and we praise you today. Lord, as we have heard from this song today, that you didn't just die, Lord Jesus, for part of our sin, but you died for all of it. In order to be born again, we must repent of our sin and trust in you that what you did on the cross at Calvary was enough. And we believe that it was, Lord. We thank you for that. We're so thankful that after they placed you in that tomb, you came out alive, and we believe it with all of our heart, Lord Jesus. We believe that you are alive and well and on your throne. God, today we are here to worship you and to thank you and to hear from you as we've already heard in song. Oh, God, today I I ask, God, that if there's anyone here that is lost or anyone listening that is lost, and I pray that there are lost people listening and watching, and here, I pray that God today will be a day of salvation for them. That your Holy Spirit would convict them and show them they need you more than anything else in this life. Show them that nothing compares to knowing you. Oh God, today would you save? And I pray for believers. I know that there's a lot been going on and folks can get weighed down and get discouraged. Lord, I pray that today as we study this text that Lord we'd be encouraged 
And we'd get on fire for you, Lord, that we would be excited about being a part of your kingdom work. Oh, God, I pray today that your church would would hear from you, Lord, today. May your spirit speak to us and may you have your way in this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Today we are introduced to John the Baptist. Uh, Just as a bit of uh, clarification, we are studying the gospel of John written by the apostle John. When you read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see that John the Baptist is called John the Baptist. The reason why he's referred to John the Baptist in those Gospels is because John the Apostle is also mentioned in those Gospels. But in John's Gospel, the author, John, never mentions himself. So there's no reason to distinguish himself from John the Baptist. But we are studying John the Baptist. We learn about him first off in the book of Luke. His parents, he had a father for a priest, Zechariah. His mother was also from the tribe of Levi. And she was, they were not able to have any children. They had gotten on up in age and it became Zechariah's time to go to the temple. There were so many priests that they had to take turns to go to the temple. And there, as he went into the temple at this time of service, the angel Gabriel comes to him and says that you are going to have a son and he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And Zacharias at first cannot believe it. And as a result, he cannot speak for nine months. I've often wondered how many women prayed that same prayer, Lord. <laughs> but he cannot speak for nine months until his, his son was born. And when his son was born and they named him John, he was able to speak. And what's so significant about John is that when we see him next, he's coming out of the wilderness like an Old Testament prophet. And that's sort of like what he was. You see, something had happened. For 400 years, God had been silent. For 400 years, He had not spoken to His people through revelation. We see the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, written some 400 years before Christ. It's the last direct word from God. And His people have gone 400 years of silence until John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness. During that 400 years, a lot of things happened. When Malachi wrote, the Persian Empire ruled the world. They would soon fall to Alexander the Great and the Greeks, and the Greeks would take over Palestine. After Alexander dies, his kingdom is split up four ways, and he has a general, uh, 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 Ptolemy that lives in, that's in Egypt, and there'll be some Seleucids who will be in Syria, and they will fight over Palestine for decades. Daniel chapter 11, I believe it is, records those battles going back and forth. Eventually, the the Seleucids take control and they want to stomp out Judaism. And during that time, there's a priest who revolts. His son, Judas Maccabee, will lead a rebellion. And we see the Maccabean rebellion and, and Israel will experience freedom for just a short period of time. But after that time, the Roman Empire shows up at their doorsteps. And the Roman Empire is now ruling over them. We need to understand that these are a group of people who every time they turn around, somebody's ruling over them. Somebody's telling them what to do. They're longing for a Messiah. They're wanting a Savior. They want a King to come and deliver them. And there is no word from God until John comes out of the wilderness. John comes out. He preaches a powerful message. 
There's a lot of people that thinks you cannot think you cannot draw a crowd unless you tickle their ears. John the Baptist did not preach to tickle anyone's ears. He preached a hard message of repentance. He preached a hard message about getting right with God. He says you need to get your right life right with God because the Messiah is on the way. And you need to be ready. And he says, listen, don't give word, lip service to this. You need to show it through your actions. Matter of fact, I want you to come down here and we're going to baptize you. Now, when you come in this river and we baptize you, that baptism is not going to get you right with God. That's just showing everybody else that you are right with God. And he got the name, the baptizers. He would baptize people. You know, he was not the first one to baptize people. Wealthy Jewish uh, leaders or wealthy Jewish people had baptismal pools in their houses where they would go and ceremonially baptize themselves. But John the Baptist was always out there by those rivers. Crowds were coming to him. And that's who we learn about here in these three verses. Today in these verses, I want us to, to notice three facts about John the Baptist that I believe we can even apply to our lives today. The first thing I want you to notice about John here in verse 6, the Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The first thing I want you to notice is that John was sent from God. He was sent from God. That phrase, there was, is important. It means that he came into existence. There was a time when there was no John the Baptist, and then all of a sudden there was. After he was conceived in his mother's womb, there was John, and, and he became, uh, grew up, and he became this preacher of righteousness, and he shows up on the scene. Why is that important? He has just told us in the first five verses that Jesus Christ has always been. He is God. He was God at the beginning, always been God, but John appears on the scene. The Bible says there was a man sent from God. That term sent, it means he was dispatched to go somewhere, to a designated goal. You know, during this whole COVID uh, outbreak and all the shutdowns, a lot of restaurants have, have, have really developed delivery systems and, and Grubhub has become very important. And what happens if you were to order a pizza? You order a pizza to your house, they cook the pizza, they give it to the delivery guy and the delivery guy doesn't go to anybody's house, does he? He goes to your house. Because you ordered the pizza and you paid for the pizza. So he goes directly to you. He has a designated place to go. And that's what this word sent means. It means he's, a, he's sent on a commission. He's sent for a particular purpose. One person said John came on the scene to relay a message from God about Jesus. And it contains the call for a decision. What will you do with Jesus? The, uh, this word sent is in the perfect tense. It means a completed action with lingering results. What that means is John was sent and he was sent on a mission. He did the mission and it has lingering results. Can I just share something with you right quick? I hope that can be said about me. Amen. I hope one day it can be said that Robert McCoy was sent by God. He did what God called him to do and there's lingering results from his life. I hope you can say that about your life. Lingering results because of the ministry that he had. The Bible says that his name is John. That means a gift of God. And that's exactly what John was. He was a gift from God. Uh, God sent him to prepare the way for the people. Folks, I'm telling you, I've been so excited about this next part. I hope I can say it without getting too excited, okay? Years ago, when I was first started preaching, about 20 years ago, I'd gone to an evangelism conference. And I was sitting in this evangelism conference. The first time in my life, I heard Dr. Robert Smith preach. But Dr. Robert Smith had a big, deep voice. He's a professor of preaching at Benson Seminary in Sanford. And, and he got up there and, and he would preach. And I've heard him preach several times. And you know what's so awesome about Dr. Smith is that 
He'll tell you where he's going to be reading from and he leaves his Bible there and he quotes the scripture to you. The man is in the word. Amen. And he was talking about John the Baptist. And he quoted Luke 3, 1 through 6. I'm not going to quote it by heart. I'm just going to read it. But it says in Luke 3, 1 through 6, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Eturia, and the region of Trachonachus, and Cyanus, tetrarch of Abilene, when Ananias and Capias were, were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled, every mountain will be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. As he quoted that passage of scripture, I won't ever forget him sitting there and him saying, at a specific time, God sent John the Baptist to tell the world his son's on the way. Isn't that awesome? He skipped the emperor of the world. He skipped the most powerful man in the world, the Roman emperor. He skipped his representative who ruled over Judea, Pontius Pilate. He skipped over those little rinky-dink kings that were around there. He skipped the high priest and he went to a country preacher's son and called him out to this message. What an awesome thing that God could use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to be connected to your family or rich or power or the smartest person in the room. I'm telling you, God will take anybody who is willing to be used by him. And that's exactly what happened. God sent John on a mission. And folks, just as he has sent John, if you are a child of God here this morning, he sent you on a mission. Make no mistake. God never saved anybody just for the, just to be saving them. He always saves us with a purpose. He always saves us with a mission. He always saves us with a gift. He has called us to be about His business. We are put on the Great Commission as New Testament believers. We're called to make disciples. We're called to baptize them. We're called to disciple them. And again, God can use anybody. You think about John. John, again, didn't have a whole lot of resources. He was just an ordinary fella. And he was not a snappy dresser. He didn't have the best diet, but yet God used him in this incredible way. Years ago, when I first started preaching, I realized that I wasn't going to be the next Billy Graham. I just want you to know, when I first was called to preach, I thought I was. Somebody had to take his place, amen? Boy, I thought I'd get more out of that. But anyway, you know Billy Graham, he reads John three sixteen, says a prayer, closes his Bible. They sing, just as I am, and a thousand people get saved. And I realized that, you know what, God calls some preachers and gives them different gifts. Sometimes we call them harvesters. There's just whatever reason God uses some particular men in a different way. But here's what I found out God had called me to do. That even if I don't get to see a big harvest and I don't get to see a a pile of people get saved, I'm still to prepare their hearts, prepare them so that they might know who Jesus is. I'm still supposed to lay the foundation. That's what John the Baptist, John the Baptist couldn't save them. But he could point them to Jesus. He could let them know that when Jesus came on the scene, that was who it is. And I just want to encourage you this this morning. You may be there today and you've got that one that you're praying for that's far from God. You know, they may be lost, just far from God. You've been praying for them and, 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 and you haven't been able to see them come to know Christ or to get right with God. You might have a family member or a friend or co-worker. 
Maybe you taught a vacation Bible school class or you're teaching a Sunday school class now and you're praying for those students. You're praying for them. Maybe you teach a Wednesday night class and you're praying for them and you're teaching them and maybe you don't get to see the results. In our discipleship group the other day, I think it was Tim Hayes made a comment. You know, sometimes we can pray for something and it may not come to pass until after we die. But one thing I do know we're called to do and that is to plant that seed. We're called to prepare the way. We're, we're called to make sure that they know who Jesus is and know what they need to do. Years ago, God laid on my heart to always share the, the ABCs of salvation. And some people might disagree with that. That's all right. They can be wrong. I, I, I don't care. I know what God's called me to do, and that is to make sure that anyone who is a part of the congregation where Robert McCoy is the under-shepherd of, that they know how to lead someone to Jesus Christ. Whether you've taken a class or not, you have heard me over and over and over again share what it takes to be born again. And you ought to know it. I don't mind going and talking to anybody for you, but you ought to know how to share the good news, how to prepare the way, whether they accept it or not. You ought to be able to show them and point them Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 9, Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters is one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. I want to encourage you, just like the Apostle Paul said, listen, he'd been called to a service and he did what he was called to do. And listen, you need to do what you're called to do because God sent you for a purpose and just keep on doing it. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. You just compare yourself to the Word of God and Jesus Christ and do what he called you to do. So what we see here about John is that he was sent by God. But a second thing I want you to notice here in verse 7 is that he was to share about God. Notice what it says there in verse 7. The Bible says this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was called to be a witness, to give evidence or testimony, to give a statement, to to declare something. A witness speaks about what they know. The word witness is an important word in in the Gospel of John. Fourteen times it's used. As a noun, just a handful of times in the rest of the gospel, but 14 times, 38 times, it's a verb. It's a verb. What we see here, he is called a witness, a noun, but the very next phrase says to bear witness. That phrase, bear witness, it means to give a, a solemn assent. Uh, 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 it means to give a, uh, an authentic message, one that the strong testifies strongly about, something that is serious. John the Baptist was not a comedian out there by the Jordan River. He was not out there to tickle anybody's uh, 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 ears. He was not out there to make them feel better by themselves. He was out there to point people to Jesus Christ. He was there. That was his mission. That was what he was called to do. Again, uh, to bear witness is a verb. You know, what does a, a teacher do? A teacher teaches. What does a farmer do? A farmer farms. What does a coach do? He coaches. And what does a witness do? They witness. That's what they do. That's what John the Baptist was. That's what he was called to do. Matter of fact, that's what we've all been called to do. We see throughout the Gospel of John that John will not be the only witness, John the Baptist. There'll be other witnesses. But here we see that John the Baptist was a witness and he did witness. And what did he witness? The Bible says of the light. That means the source of illumination is Jesus Christ. People are walking around in spiritual darkness. And he was appointing them to the light of Jesus Christ. 
See, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're wandering around in spiritual darkness. You may have 20-20 vision. You may think everything is fine and hunky-dory with you in your life. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. You are doomed because the Bible says we're all going to die one day. One day we're all going to die. Either you're going to die and wake up in the presence of God or you're going to wake up in hell. Those are the only two places you're going to go. A person who is lost is in darkness. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 3-5, through 5, that if somebody's not come to faith through his preaching, it's because the, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded them. And they're in darkness. Again, John was to point them to the light, point them to Jesus Christ. Notice this last phrase of this verse. That all through him might believe. This gospel, this message was for everybody. Did Jesus Christ come to the Jewish people? Yes, he did. And salvation is first offered to those Jews, but this salvation was never to stop at the Jewish people. It was for the whole world. Next week, Lord willing, and the, and the church doesn't rise, we'll be looking at that, that message, how either a person rejects it or accepts it. But understand this, from the very beginning, back in Genesis 12, it has always been a message for the whole world. One scholar put it this way, John did not design the message. He was sent on a mission by God to deliver it. That is why John is given the title witness. It is like John takes the witness stand and gives specific information. We sit like a jury needing to make a decision with the information. We must decide how we will respond to his testimony. Folks, in the same way, we are to be sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. People are looking at us, are we a credible witness or not? You know, I, I, I watch a lot of uh, uh, court shows and, and, and I was watching one the other day where uh, this person in the, in, in, who was part of this crime family is on trial. They got somebody who worked for them to, to turn state's evidence. And, and as they pulled this person up there to testify against their boss, uh, the prosecutor came up there and, and gave him some good questions and, and laid out everything that his boss had done wrong. And then the defense attorney got up there and systematically tore that man apart, his character. Here's a murderer. Here's a, a liar. Here's a thief. Can we really trust them? Folks, we need to understand that we are a witness as well. And we are to share about God. And when we do witness, does our life back up our testimony? Has Jesus Christ changed us? Has he transformed us? Has he placed inside us a joy that cannot be contained, that the world cannot take away? Is there a peace that we have that the world does not as a church, as believers, we are to be a witness. We're to be witnessing. Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We are to be sharing about God as we have been sent by God, just like John. He was sent by God and he was to share about God. But then thirdly and lastly, I want you to notice he was a servant of God. Notice there with me in verse 8. The Bible says he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, it's very obvious to us reading this 2,000 years later that John is talking about Jesus, that John the Baptist was pointing people to Jesus. But during the time of John and his ministry, there was great confusion about him. People uh, were confused about his role and what he did and what he was doing even though he told them time and time again. Matter of fact, we read an interesting thing takes place around the city of Ephesus. In the book of Acts, in Acts 18, 24, going through 19, 7, we see two special situations, two encounters take place. We read about a man in chapter 18 by the name of Apollos. 
Apollos is an excellent, eloquent speaker. He's from the city of Alexandria. And he's preaching only the baptism of John. And, and what happens is Aquila and Priscilla come alongside him and take him to the side and say, hey, I want you to understand that the one John was talking about has already come. He's already died and he's risen again. And they set him clear on that message. You go just a couple of verses into chapter 19 and what do we see? The Apostle Paul runs into a group of disciples of John the Baptist who know nothing of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like before Jesus shows up on the scene that John the Baptist has such a ministry that as he is preaching, his followers start going out and they're going all over the Roman world and they're telling Jews everywhere, get ready, the Messiah is on the way. Oh my goodness, and because of that, there are a lot of people who thought John the Baptist was the Messiah, but he was not. We know from history, some people even started cults around John the Baptist. But church, John the Baptist was nothing but a servant. He says here in the last part of this verse, but was sent to bear witness of that light. One, one, one Greek scholar said that John the Baptist is a lot like Mary. That unfortunately many people have mistook and distorted their role. You think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You think about John the Baptist. All they were were servants that God placed in his plan of redemption for this world that had a specific purpose at a specific time, and they did the ministry they were called to do. There was nothing special about them other than the fact that God chose them to do something special. There was nothing special other than John the Baptist other than the fact that God sent, put this on him. Mary was nothing but a servant girl who obeyed the Lord and was faithful to do what God called her to do. There are some who have elevated her to a, a level of deity, who have said that she was born of a virgin. All that is just a bunch of hogwash. It's false teaching. She was just a servant. Just like John was just a servant. He was a servant who was here not to draw attention to himself, but to point people to Jesus. In John chapter 3, in verse 30, we see that John the Baptist, his crowds are getting smaller, while Jesus' crowds are getting bigger. And you know what he says about it? That's okay. He's the increase while I decrease. If John did his job like God called him to, Jesus' crowd would get larger and his would get smaller. You know, John the Baptist didn't always have it easy either. Being a servant of Jesus Christ, having this position, you'd have thought, man, he probably would have tired with a great 401k. Everything would have just been hunky-dory with him. It should have been great. God should have had a special island set aside for him just to live out his last few days on the beach. That's not what happened to John, is it? John, not only did he live out in the wilderness, but then eventually he's arrested, arrested because he will not keep silent about God's word. He calls sin, sin. And as a result, he gets thrown into prison. And eventually his head is cut off. It's cut off. This man didn't have it easy being a servant of God. And Jesus Christ reminded his own disciples in John 15, verses 20 and 21, says this. Remember the, world, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But these things they do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus said that they will persecute me because they do not know my father. They think they do, but they don't. If they knew my father, they would believe me. But don't miss what Jesus said about his servants. 
If they did this to me, they're going to do it to you. And I just want to remind you as a child of God, if you're a servant of God, do not expect a life of ease if you come to Christ. I'm not saying you're not going to have peace. You're going to have peace in here. I'm not saying you don't have joy. You're going to have joy in here. But I just want you to know outside of this right here, outside of this little temple, which is you, you may be full of chaos in your life. You may have everybody turn against you. Christianity is not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. You know, we, we live in a day when the church has turned to consumerism at a level that I'm, I believe would just cause the, the apostles to roll over in their graves. I mean, think about it. So many people look at the church. What can the church do for me? What do you have to offer me, preacher? Well, I tell you what, if you're saved, we'll give you a place to serve. How about that? And I'm going to do my best to make sure the air conditioner's on. <laughs> That's about as far as I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Amen? Because if you're a child of the living God, you ought to be where God wants you to be, serving where he wants you to serve, ministering where he wants you to minister. If you had this whole mentality, I'm going to go to church where everybody can pam- pamper me and take care of me. Tom Rainer, who worked for Lifeway for several years, he wrote a book called uh, I Am a Church Member. Some of y'all have read it. Great little book. It's only $5 to buy. It. A little short book. He said, we've taken this country club mentality to the church. There's nothing wrong with being a part of a country club, but at a country club, you pay your dues, and then everybody pampers you, and you can do what you want to do. And they want to treat the church that way. I pay my tithes, and they ought to let me do what I want to do, and everybody ought to pamper me. I'm telling the church is where blood-bought saints of God, servants of God, soldiers of God, gather to worship their king, and then they minister to each other, and then they go out and serve and try to reach more. It's not a circus. It's not a country club. This is a place where we gather to worship and serve him. We are his servant, church. Just like John the Baptist here. He was a witness. He was sent by God to share about God. And he was a servant of God. The same thing should be said about us. You know, Jesus didn't have to have a witness. He didn't need one. And he'll he'll say that in chapter 2. He didn't need one, but you know what the people did? Others need a witness. You needed a witness. I needed a witness. Aren't you glad someone witnessed to you? I'm so glad someone witnessed to me. I'm glad they shared with me the gospel. They taught me the gospel. But we needed a witness. And so does the lost. Church, we are to be that witness. Someone has said, you know, we can't be John the Baptist. John the Baptist couldn't be the Savior. He couldn't be the light. But he could reflect the light, and so should we. When people see us, do they see Jesus? You've been sent. I've been sent as a Christian. Are we fulfilling the mission Jesus has put us on? Are we doing? I I can't answer that question for you. I can only answer what he's sent me to do. What has he sent you to do? Understand, church, that it's going to involve sharing the good news about him. We are to tell others. Should we live out that life? Yes. But people aren't going to get saved just by seeing a Christian live. The Bible teaches they get saved by hearing the word of God. Somebody's got to share with them the good news. But if we don't live that life, they won't listen to us. Does that make sense? I mean, if a witness has a bad character, you don't want to believe them. But we should reflect Christ in such a way that when we do share, they believe. And then lastly, remember, we are servants of the Most High King. We are servants. So let's make sure we're serving. I want to encourage you. John the Baptist, 
did everything he was supposed to do. His crowds got thinner, and he eventually lost his head. <laughs> you stay faithful, okay? Because when you stay faithful, it doesn't mean you're going to be the most popular. It doesn't mean you're going to see all the great things happen. Maybe you don't. And it may even cost you your life one day. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't know what God has planned for you. I don't know what God's got planned for you. What I do know is that today there will be Christians who will die for their faith. That's what I do know when it takes place today. I know right now that that's going to take place today. My, my point to this is you just stay faithful. Stay faithful as John was faithful to the very end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for all you do for us. God, as we think about this man, John the Baptist, Lord, we think about how you sent him, how he was to share, and he was your servant. But God, what's so exciting to me is to think about he had a, a lasting impact. He did what he was supposed to do, and it had lingering effects. God, may it be the desire, the desire of the heart of every one of your children here today to do what you've sent us to do, to share and to understand we are your servant and that by doing what you have called us to do, that it will have a lasting impact on this world for your glory. Oh God, we don't want people to think much of us, but we want them to worship you. Oh God, today, would you would you move mildly in, in, in the hearts of us, your church. Oh God, may we have that desire and longing to be like John. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today, as we get ready to have our invitation, I just want to share with you.